Hi, this is Aaron Armstrong jumping in with a quick programming note. We, I know we had said that we weren't going to do uh, a good day to die hard. And you know what? You caught us. Boom. We, we did it. We did a good day to die hard. We did the movie. We got so many letters and messages and dirty looks from people that we just knew were saying to us, you're going to do all the Die Hard movies, but you're not going to do a good day to die hard. It's ridiculous. So we, we decided to do it. Um, why is it before Live Free or Die Hard, which will come out next week? Well, that's pretty simple. Uh, this this is not a movie we liked, uh, and we really like uh, Live Live Free or Die Hard. Maybe not as much as a couple of the other Die Hard movies, but we like it a lot. We do want to end the month on a bummer. So uh, so we switched the order. We're going to end on Live Free or Die Hard. And we're gonna we're talking about this for our Christmas special. I think it all tracks. Uh, don't don't worry about the math on that. And also, you know, we we really looked at it. and We're like, we're gonna try to cover this to the best of our ability. So we 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 focus on the movie. We put our our best foot forward, and we do our best. Uh, also, note that Ethan Warren was supposed to be a guest on this episode. He had to cancel last minute. We've never heard from him since. He did just recently leave me a voicemail. I haven't had a chance to listen to it prior to this episode coming out. Uh, it's on the end of this episode. Uh, let me know if I should call him back. Thanks. Merry Christmas. I'm Jingle Armstrong. <laughs> I'm Jangle Moran. And we love to jingle jangle. We love to jingle jangle a p- imperialism in Russia. Hi, Jingle. It's our surprise Christmas bonus episode. Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) Merry Christmas. It's Christmas time in Moscow, Russia. Moscow, Russia, or a barn in a Hollywood backlot. Actually, let's just get get right into it, because I don't want people to go, when they see the title of this, to go, what the fuck is this? I mean, they're going to. I think it's really self-explanatory, but... I, I want to level set because I get that this <laughs> you have mental pe- illness, the code unlocks. Yeah, no, uh, look, I think this is easy to get your wrap hand, uh, get your head wrapped around what we're doing. But for you know, for anyone who's just doesn't get it, just by episode title and and, and image on screen, uh, I'm going to help you. So where we love to watch for a movie podcast, we pick a theme. We do movies over the course of the month of around that theme or something, and then we compare and contrast. And we're we're actually this is a bonus secret episode because we just did the Die Hard movies. That was our Christmas month theme. We did Die Hard, Die Hard Two, Die Hard with a Vengeance, and you can check the tape on this. It's there. We we said pretty explicitly we're not gonna do 
a good day to die hard. We had never seen it. Nobody likes that movie. Why would we waste everyone's time, especially our own, covering it? And I think so this, this this was implied throughout the whole thing. But when we say, like, we're never going to cover it, don't even ask, what a waste of time, fuck you for thinking it. What we, of course, meant was that unless we found an artistic way to talk about it. And so we were like, you know, look, we've we've been talking about Die Hard for so long. Let's let's. And we're like, we, I think at this point we know, Peter, what what makes a Die Hard movie and. We needed something maybe like a little bit to compare it to. And, you know, we've been talking all this year uh, in a very like critically, um, uh, critically appreciated bit. We'll call it a bit. I think it's more of a scholarly approach to film criticism where we've been like using our our brains and and our wide world of imagination to envision uh, Mr. Ed in various uh, films and what, what that would be like. As, a, as an add to the story and the characters and the plot. And we're like, look, I got it. What if, because we're taking a fresh approach and we've never seen A Good Day to Die Hard. What if we, we took A Good Day to Die Hard and just imagined, imagineered it, if you will, what it would be like if Mr. Ed was in that movie. Now, as we started talking through this completely sensible idea... Peter and I realized, like, hey, have you ever seen an episode of Mr. Ed? And, you know, we thought we knew Mr. Ed pretty well because it's a concept that has lived through. I mean, Mr. Ed is the most recent incarnation of a general uh, myth and story and allegory that's been told through the ages of a talking horse and his friend Wilbur. Um, But stop remaking Mr. Ed is all we're asking. Yeah, we get it. Like, I think... I think the Bible tells the best interpretation, but we'll we'll leave it to the Word of God, is what we always say. But uh, but we're like you know it's we haven't I guess ever seen an episode of Mister Ed, so to kind of see and really get into for the Christmas spirit what it would be like if Mister Ed was in a Good Day to Die Hard, we're like let's watch an episode for for something that a lot of people like to do, uh, something called research, and so we also were like hey. Technically, this is a Christmas month that has gone off the rails and kind of been a weird summer month instead. But because it is, this is going to be our surprise Christmas episode, let's get into the spirit of Christmas and do our research on the, a Mr. Ed Christmas episode. Which, I guess, in the six years it ran, we discovered there was only one. So yeah, I think that's a very brief but comprehensive understanding of what we're going to try to do today is imagine what it would be like if Mr. Ed was in A Good Day to Die Hard with the knowledge that we're going to be sharing what it was like to experience this particular myth incarnation of Mr. Ed through a Christmas episode we watched. And Peter, I, if that is not the the simplest concept for a Christmas special, I don't know what is. Yeah, honestly, if anybody has been lost by this point... You're alone. You're the only person that's been lost. Uh, speaking the hosts of both that... understand it. I could explain it back <laughs> perfectly the same way. I think it all tracks. Now, if you are lost, you would be alone plus one other person. Uh, Ethan Warren, guest of the show, 
probably one of our most like influential movie critic guests who we only have him join episodes where uh, he is mildly embarrassed to uh, appear in them and refuses to tweet them out to his followers. He was going to be on this episode. Uh, we're not quite sure what happened. He was all excited about it. Um, the last message we got was about to watch Good Day to Die Hard. Can't can't wait. Love these movies. Uh, and it's but that's that was a week ago. We haven't heard from him since. Uh, I think most of his social media is scrubbed. So um, not sure what has happened. Not sure if it was Good Day to Die Hard's fault. He deleted Bright Wall Dark Room somehow. He yeah, he deleted the whole thing. Um, and now it's just uh dark screen, <laughs> dark screen. Uh, even darker screen, dark screen, dark thoughts. Um, after watching a good day to die, it was a bad day for Ethan to die hard. Apparently, if you uh, bad, day if you do, bad day to live, Ethan, bad day to live, Ethan. If you do, um, so the other reason we're doing this episode now is also as a as a kind of like a, an awareness. If you see Ethan, please call us, call his family, call which is us, call his two friends that he sometimes recorded podcasts with and just figure yeah, out somebody's missing always call the last two people he podcasted with or she <laughs> yeah which might which technically might not be us but for this for this thing i think it should be um you can call other people too but definitely call us and just be like uh ask him you know a few like code words like hey is this because of a good day to die hard how mad are you at Aaron and Pete for making you watch that and then not even appearing on an episode? Could you send money? At some of these questions and then let if us know. If anything, we'll send money. Them. Send some money. I mean, send some money. Clearly both of us watch a specific YouTube essayist. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so that's the concept. We're going we're gonna to talk about what, what it's like to experience – Christmas through the eyes of a, a talking horse and then walk through just really briefly what we think it would be like if Mr. Ed was in the 2012 motion picture, a good day to die hard. And then get back to your families, go open some presents. I, I think. And if you don't open presents, um, go and enjoy banking services. Oh, wait, it's a banking holiday. To I don't know clear, what you do. As anyone who went on Twitter and yelled at people to go see Dune in theaters, artistic intent is more important than comfort and safety. And 100%, 100%. so when you're when you're listening to this, our ideal situation for the way to experience this particular episode of the podcast is, you know, some families right before Christmas morning when they open presents, they like stop on the stairs to take a group photo or something before mm-hmm. everyone sees the tree or something. I'd like you to put your family on those stairs, hit play on this bad boy, and then when it's done, everyone can go open presents. And if you don't do that, just to let you know, uh, we do appreciate you listening. Anyways, you are in direct violation of our artistic rights, and that is illegal, sir. Send some money. Send some money. It's Christmas. It's Christmas for us, not you. So it's so Peter, really it's 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 the, we're the reason for the season. We are the reason for the season, and a, something else is the reason for the season: a horse that invented Christmas. Uh, so before we kind of imagine what it would be like if Mister Ed was in a Good Day to Die Hard, and the only way we know how to do that is is because according to 
uh, all the figures that we could assemble. Most of you haven't seen A Good Day to Die Hard. We'll let you know what happens in that movie, how it fits as a Die Hard movie. <laughs> and then and then we're going to talk about what it would be like if Mr. Edit is in it. And then I think it might make sense to kind of compare and contrast, like, which is more representative of their their genres. Because both of these series that we're covering at this point, that the episode and the movie are kind of are kind of find our heroes respectively Mr. Ed the Talking Horse and John McClane a little little old in the tooth because this was uh, a fourth season episode of Mr. Ed and this is a fifth movie entry for for John McClane and so they you know they're both near the end of their their rope um closer to the glue factory as we like to say and uh <laughs> And, like, which one better represents, I think, the property? Um, the pro- Which property? Well, it, it's respective property. Like, is this a, a good entry in the Mr. Ed canon? And is Die Hard, Good Day Die Hard, a good entry in the Die Hard canon? And are they a good entry if we swapped them? I don't know these answers, Peter. Um, well, I would, I would say... Peter, do you know the answers? I, I, I know all the answers. <laughs> I've solved the riddles. Good. I've unlocked the clues. And I'm here to present my evidence... Great. ...that I have studied... Good. ...in the hour and five minutes that I spent with these two properties. And let me tell you, Mr. Ed really? certainly had a Christmas. He did. He so when we're talking, he knew about, the horse that invented Christmas. I think that's really important. Yeah, I'm have I have a sneaking suspicion that in a, a almost um, <laughs> Brian Singerian uh, twist, he was the one who invented Christmas all along. I like that idea. You think that Mister Ed was is like a, a Jesus Christ figure who has been around for eternity. Yeah, like the the name of the episode is. Mr. Ed's Christmas. Um, he owns it. That's an apostrophe S. It is apostrophe which, S. Very, very often one would assume, like, did you have a nice Christmas? The, 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 the assumption is that you had the Christmas, but it wasn't your Christmas, really. Um, yeah. It was just that you, you happened to have a little piece of Christmas. Christmas belongs to Mr. Ed. Yeah, kind of like um, the Mitch Hedberg uh, serious commentary about uh, Reese's Candy. That that's an apostrophe S, and if you ever meet some guy named Reese, give it up. You get, you got to give him those pieces. Got to give those pieces up. Um, it, and the, the the commonality there is that both uh, E.T. loves uh loves a, a little bit of peanut butter, a little bit of Reese's pieces. Mister also Ed, a Jesus Christ figure. Uh, I was gonna say also Jesus Christ loves Reese's pieces due to a licensing deal that he signed. Oh, jeez, a long time ago. Um, it holds up. It held. It held up. Um, the Library of Alexandria. It had it written down. These are <laughs> these are Jesus's pieces. It was actually the only thing that survived from the Library of Alexandria. Is that well, yeah, Jesus they laminated it. I mean, it was. I mean, they didn't have lamination technology, but Jesus was a miracle worker. Yeah. <laughs> what I was going to say um, was that another person. A third, I guess, person that uh, loves peanut butter is Mr. Ed, because when Mr. Ed enjoys a bit of a bit of Christmas, he likes to have a bit of peanut butter in his upper gums so that he can. With All your research, and you didn't see that that was a myth that they made up. 
<laughs> Just curious. How'd they make? How'd they make him quote unquote? They, they never said. But uh, the uh, uh, the guy who played Alan Young, who played Wilbur, said that he just made that up one day, and that he didn't want to ruin the mystery of because it was so boring on how they did it. It's, and it, and it's now also, having watched an episode, I think I know how they did it. He doesn't move his lips all that often. He doesn't move his lips all that often. A and then B. I think um, every once in a while they get lucky and they're like, yeah, that people think that's magic, I guess. I, I, I think I was under the impression that people were very easily impressed in 1963. Yeah, they um, were still pretty like, there's moving images on the TVs. <laughs> <laughs> that horse is coming right for us. That horse is coming right. We had to exit the house. Extra take the homestead. That, <laughs> that horse was trotting right into our living room. <laughs> Um, so, but Aaron, canonically, Mr. Ed is allergic to peanut butter, but they kept giving it to him. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, there's um, also, like, a bunch of mystery as to around how the horse that played Mr. Ed died. So, <laughs> I, I don't know, like. Okay, so it's, okay, so let's, let's take a step back. Mr. Yeah, well, Ed sure. is a talking horse. And the word oh, talking. Oh, oh, hold on. Has, of course. Of, of course. The whole. And, there's, there's way too, too many say, qualifiers. Hold on, hold on. There's way too many qualifiers on the statement. Mister Ed is a talking horse. One, why are we giving him a dignified title? Two, you think, you I'm fine with Ed. Ed. Um, <laughs> I like two. I like that his name is Ed and not like Edward or something. Like he's not. He's not asking a lot of respect out of you. Mister Ed is a talking horse. So the talking part is next in that sentence. And talking is. Really, it's sort of interpretive term for what Mr. Ed is doing here. He He's, might as well be an imaginary character to everyone else because the only person that sees him is Wilbur. There's like a <laughs> there's like a separate it's like it's like the show hired sitcom writers that could only think of 15 minutes worth of of actual like sitcom familial husband wife related drama and they're like I just, like, I can't get past the 15-page mark on these scripts. And someone's like, okay, well, what if the other eight minutes are about a talking horse? <laughs> Unrelated. <laughs> so, so talking. Talking is important. What he's doing is talking in the yeah. sense that if you, if you just talked all day long with your teeth clenched tight and then occasionally your lips moved so that you could enunciate P's and D's, <laughs> uh, that would be talking. Yeah, um, they, couldn't get his, they couldn't get his teeth to move ever, they, I guess. That, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we're, yeah, uh, why, would, why would Mr. Ed... You had to act it right. <laughs> Let's start with the theme song. I feel like one, it's probably the first rap song, and then two. Oh yeah, the Sugar Hill Gang actually ripped ripped yeah. it straight off from Mr. Ed. It the whole song feels like I'm being gaslit into a lie. <laughs> <laughs> like it's oh, horse is a horse, of course, of course. But okay, let's start horse, there. Of oh. course, of course, horse can talk. It's just like wait, what? Like what? What are you trying to hypnotize me into? Like believing is real. A horse is a horse, of course, of course. They're starting. They're uh, like all good. That's gaslighting level setting. Like but you know about like the car, right? Yeah. And everyone's like, yeah, I'm aware of the car. Yeah, that's like what we talked about in previous episodes. Where we're like, well, we're all just looking for something, aren't we? Like, yeah. I guess. <laughs> what are we looking for? Man in orange robe. 
<laughs> um, so he's a horse. Of course. Of course. Of course. Of course. Yeah, you saw him on screen because first he kicks down the barn door and is like, I'm Mr. Ed. <laughs> and then the then the theme song starts. Okay, so, so like it's like we've given you fucking proof this is a horse. Stop your letters. Okay, so a horse is a horse, of course, of course. So we're at a base level. We've we've hit that baseline. They've shown us a horse. And then that horse just starts blabbing away with his teeth clenched tight. (laughs) And he has jokes. They're mostly hay related, but he's he's got jokes. I'm amazed. Like, I haven't seen, I want to stress this, any other episode. But it's season four. They still got what I have to assume is fresh hay puns to deliver. Um, you don't think yeah. they're reheating hay puns? Yeah. So here's the deal. Alan Young, who who plays Wilbur, and he had to he had to he had to um, say, "Honey, honey, I got the part." <laughs> oh, honey, who are you acting up against? Marlon Brando. Are you are you in a Patty Chayefsky script? What? Tell me about this. And Alan Young goes even better. I'm upstaged by a horse, and everybody. When the episode goes away from the horse, everyone in at home is chanting, "Show us, Mister Ed." Give us the horse. Give us the horse. I like I like the idea that there was one more layer where he's like, "Look, it is a TV show, but I'm going to be acting opposite an animal lead." And Alan Young's wife was like, oh my god, you got the Lassie part. Lassie, famous dog, lovable character, has, in typical scripts, zero lines to steal from you. And he's like, oh, honey, I don't know how to tell you this. The horse gives the punchlines. I'm the the straight man to a horse. It's it's not Lassie. It is a a horse. It is a a, 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 a horse. Of course. Of course. It's it's a horse that talks, and I gotta tell you, they're giving him most of the good lines. Uh, I am just there to occasionally be uh, somewhat of a diversion and to let people know I have a wife that I fuck. Alan Young's character Wilbur only gets to deliver punchlines if he if he's with a less boring character, such as uh, his weird older boss that he hangs out with, the Colonel. The Colonel. Oh, sorry, his weird older Colonel. <laughs> His name is the Colonel, so much so that his wife also calls him the Colonel. Yeah. Yeah. It's not everything about that just seems wrong. Do you remember what the the horse's real name was? What is this? Is this this Metal Gear Solid? I know. (laughs) Why why would people who are not military affiliated affiliated be like, they call him the Colonel. (laughs) He's a fucking, he's a fucking cheapskate. Oh no, the level four boss is Bamboo Harvester. <laughs> so I looked up, I was like, is I, I mean, as a Mr. Ed fan, I wanted to be reminded of some of my favorite moments in the television program. I'm on a website called I Heart Horses. Um, Don't there's a, go there's into an the article called only section of that website. <laughs> I, the name of that website is I Heart Horses, but not like that. Um, <laughs> but not like the movie Zoo. <laughs> unlike unlike the movie Zoo or the movie Aquis. These funny quotes from Mr. Ed are a perfect tribute to Alan Young, Alan Young and I found a good quote. Are you ready? 
Mm-hmm. Um, so when I when I, I I'm gonna say my line, and then your line is just PhD. Okay. Oh, okay. Sure. Wilbur, I'm attending college because I want to no, become a gotta, PhD. You gotta, you gotta, oh, sorry. Moving your lips. <clears throat> yeah. Wilbur, I'm attending college because I want to become a PhD. PhD. Palomino horse doctor. <laughs> Did he attend college in that episode, or what happened? I I, I think it was just. I idly, idly wondering a future that he could never have as a horse. It's going to be tough to find because these movies are these. This TV show is not available on streaming. You can find slightly out of sync audio episodes on Daily Motion, <laughs> and also, 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 entirely on Daily Motion. They're going to show you ads that take up half the screen for. Um, Dick pills, VPN services, like just about any anything. Um, yeah, I mean, really, really lending dignity motion, to classic television. <laughs> yeah, motion every day is what doctors recommend. Daily motion for all of your slightly out of sync, <laughs> Mister Ed needs. Yeah, so basically, wait, uh, hold on, I want to read one more joke. Um, yeah, I'm oh, sorry. So, uh, do you want to read the the punchline? You want me to be Mister Ed? I want I, I want you to get a chance to do this. So I'm, I'm gonna go go to your chat. I'm window. still. I mean, I don't know how much I want to. I don't know how much I want to like save my Mister Ed pipes for when I imagine what's what it's like when he's in a good day to die hard. But okay. <laughs> um, so I just I just chatted you the punchline, and I'm gonna say the setup. No, lady. Oh wait. No, not yet. I thought it was so. Fu- I thought the joke was so funny that like you didn't even need a setup when Mister Ed yeah. delivers it. Uh, yeah. When a horse is saying it, it's it's always funny. Hello, I'd like to make a reservation. Is this the Transcontinental Airlines? No, lady. This is the Pony Express. Click. That's pretty good. Um, I have seen now like dozens of, and enjoyed dozens of silent films from the 1920s. But if you show me like a uh, broad comedy from 1963, uh, my brain is just automatically shutting down. Uh, my sense of comedy is just dwindling. Um, anything even resembling the substance of a joke. It's going to get a guffaw from me. I would be like, I don't have the time to do this, and this is probably more serious than this episode uh, warrants, but I I would be curious, like, if I went back, what would be the earliest television show that I would find non-ironic enjoyment in watching? And I, I, like, because I've seen stuff like The Honeymooners, and I don't like it, and I think, like, or not even non-ironic, uh, non like his. Oh, this is historically interesting to watch, or something like that. Like, I think the earliest like I remember as a kid is that I did really enjoy watching Bewitched when I was like seven or eight on Nick and Knight. I but I I have a feeling that I would not enjoy it as much now. now. Yeah, I, I I that's that like, is would, gen- it, would it take to the seventies until like I would watch something like a. Uh, Mary Tyler Moore show or something and be like, oh, I legitimate or Newhart, Bob Newhart show or something. Where or I would MASH go, or Barney Miller. Something like that where I'd go, oh, I legitimately enjoy this. Because, like, I loved Fernwood Tonight. We talked about that in our um, Christopher Guest month. And that was, like, 77. I'm sure there's stuff earlier in that I would enjoy. But I I just – this stuff is just not very good. <laughs> um, No. and And the thing is that, like – it resembles a joke structure. So eventually I'm beaten into a submission where I kind of offer a, a, a polite chuckle um, because I go, hey, hey, you actually wrote something resembling a joke. 
Uh, that wasn't just a, a bad horse pun. I I have recently watched episodes of Taxi and laughed very hard. Um, Taxi but... had a very acerbic kind of like uh, uh, uh like roughness that like I think old old seventies uh, comedies were finally like in an era where they were allowed to be like irreverent. Yeah, and I I mean I told you like Fernwood tonight felt like out of time. It was so crazy and funny and good. And I I bet there's like some of these things where. That I haven't seen like WKRP in Cincinnati and um, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman and Mary Tyler Moore show and stuff like that that I probably would get some enjoyment out of. I, I remember All in the Family working when I watched it as a kid, working better. Not as a kid kid, but like I watched a few episodes when I was in high school, working better as a... Turn off Sesame Street. I want to watch Archie Bunker. <laughs> I'm two-year-old Pete Moran. <laughs> <laughs> I want some class and racial humor. <laughs> I'm a sophisticant. Where's Meatloaf or whatever? Meathead. <laughs> where's Where's that goddamn Meathead? Bring him out so Archie can give him the business. Oh, I cannot wait to see the business. None of this one, two, three bullshit. <laughs> Archie's really going to speak to me, a racist eight-year-old. <laughs> What would it be like if Mr. Ed was watching All in the Family with you when you were two years old, Peter? Uh, why don't we put on my show instead? It's more appropriate for you as someone Kind of the who... general time frame, really. Oh. <laughs> don't you want to see a horse? I seen enough horses, asshole! Look at old man! What <laughs> Jeez, oh, I'm just a old horse of 16. Well, tranquilize me in an accident and kill me. <laughs> Do you think? Okay, so I mean, Mr. that's where the stories that they it was a tranquilizer mishap that killed him. But it's like one of three potential deaths. Like this guy's the fucking like he's got a death that's like the Joker origin story. Like, <laughs> yeah, which one do you believe? Yeah, ca- cats. Cats have nine lives. Mr. Ed happens to have 45 lives. Yes. It, we just know he died. We don't know when. All we right. Don't know we don't know how. All right. Let's not argue about semantics here. We just know the horse is dead. If anybody has any questions about the horse is dead, I can give you my 45 right now and you can put a bullet in the horse. All right? We, we at least like- agree on that. It's kind of like like Elvis conspiracy theorists. Like they can't still be like he's alive. Like okay, well even if he didn't die in the seventies, oh, a corpse is a corpse. Of course, of course, probably dead now. So yeah, so um, this plot is about how uh, how fun it is to look up uh, currency changes between nineteen sixty five and twenty twenty one. Turns out quite a blast. That was my favorite part of the episode, was being like, how much is $15? Turns out the $15 was roughly $900,000. Yeah. People were right about Jimmy Carter. I always thought he was a pretty good guy who got some some uh, some some unnecessary guff from conservatives. But yeah, in 1965, $15 was we had the buying power of roughly $900,000. And then... Yeah, and then those those hostages happened. The whole hostage thing, which frankly wasn't great. I'm really sad that Jimmy Carter took all those hostages. Um, <laughs> He's like, I'm building you these houses, and you're living in them forever. 
It turns out it's really it takes a really long time to build a house if you have to every stroke of the ha- every strike of the hammer turn around and threaten your hostages not to run away. He's like, we were here to volunteer with you, Jimmy. Not anymore. You live here. <laughs> well, not anymore. I think you're stuck. A little that bit is, stuck. That is, wait, what did Reagan put on a Jimmy Carter mask? J- Jimmy Carter talked a lot softer than either of our initial impressions. I was trying to get, I, I think. Not the type that. of, hold on. Not the type of Jimmy Carter that takes hostages and puts them in his Habitat <laughs> for Humanity houses. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm doing an interpretation of the feeling of the character. Oh, oh, oh! Got it, got it. So get in these Jim- houses, hippies! <laughs> Ruin my presidency. So, so when when my minister used to want us to shape up or ship out, he used to bar the doors of the church and say, "Anybody that wants to go to heaven right now gets to go." And he put his revolver right on the altar. He's like, there's five bullets. If you miss, you're going to hell for trying and failing. (laughs) God was willing to send you to hell on a technicality. You're going to not kill yourself now, but holy cow, someday you're going to (laughs) burn. You are going to burn. Um, And they call it the Iran uh, hostage crisis because uh, I ran away from the situation and lived to tell the tale. Yeah, and then people had $100 in their bank account, which at the time was worth billions of dollars. And then all of a sudden that next Sunday, whenever the Argo thing happened, everyone's like, this could barely buy a popsicle stand. (laughs) How am I supposed to buy my wife a $5,000 Christmas present now that it costs $20? Uh, yeah, so that is, we'll talk in real money. Essentially, what? they what are they, hold what are they, what, they, hold on, so the, 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 the plot. What's going on for these fucking baby to, boomers? To, to why, be clear. Why are they, yeah, they, they, you could buy a fucking, you could buy a fucking, a Studebaker for the price of these Christmas presents. Interesting that you noted that. So one of the funniest things I read is that Studebaker mm-hmm. was the primary advertiser on Mr. Ed and uh, in, after six years Five years. The show was on for six years. They were the primary advertiser. They shut down with a year to go, which is also how Mr. Ed eventually got canceled because everyone's like, no, no, no. That's the corpse of Studebaker's horse. Nobody (laughs) touch it. This dies with Mr. Ed. I don't know on things unrelated to advertising on the Mr. Ed show brought down Studebaker, but either way, I like the idea that like, the horse was like, I had the last laugh. <laughs> they First you got horseless carriages, now you got no carriages. Just a fucking horse. <laughs> yeah, we used to have hope, jobs, and cash. Now we don't even have Studebakers or Mr. Ed. Um, or nickels that can buy the moon. <laughs> um, now you walk into your average, your average five and dime, and and people are are uh, putting their teeth into that dime to make sure it's a genuine, genuine dime. So most of this, most of the show does not feature Mister Ed. I assume that's because like he's off galloping. There's like union rules for horse usage or something. Yeah, he so needs to th- shit for at least twenty four hours for every hour of shooting. So, like, they say hi to him at the beginning, and he's like, give me presents. And, and Wilbur's like, no. 
I have a wife. I don't know. I, I sh- being in love with you like I am is unnatural. Now I'm going to be buying you presents? I don't think so. And Mr. Ed's like, we'll see about that. I'm going to use... And in time when speakerphone is, does not exist, I'm going to constantly be making telephone calls. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the the other, like, the A plot, I guess, is that, uh, yeah, they he makes a deal with his wife how much they're going to spend. In today's money, they're like, we're only going to spend $150 on each other. Then his wife and his wife's friend, who's married to the colonel, his boss, go out and spend the equivalent of a few thousand dollars on presents for them with the idea that they're going to spend tens of thousands of dollars on presents for them so this will seem smaller in comparison look i i don't know how marriages worked in the 60s i imagine there was it was worse in general but uh wait was the idea that your wife is so horrifically mistreated all year and has barely any barely any control over the family finances beyond grocery trips that they're just like Asshole, you better pay me a goddamn dowry every year at the end of the year, or uh, I am leaving. I don't know, but, like, I do feel like Sean and I, like, $150 limit is not unreasonable. <laughs> like, I, I, yeah, everybody has different different income levels. Everybody has different uh, ideas of what Christmas works for. But, like, the idea that spending $135 on a present for your partner is, like, so insanely low is, like, what the fuck were they doing in 1963? These fucking baby boomers had so much cash to throw around. It's that like, goddamn GI Bill that they gutted. It's the goddamn GI Bill. I occasionally I occasionally splurge on a nice Christmas present. Yeah. I have never in my goddamn... Both of my wife and I have good jobs. I've never in my goddamn life been like, yeah, I'm dropping 5K on a necklace for my wife. Also, they like what they don't audience even... are they talking to? This is a fucking comedy about a talking goddamn horse. I mean, I guess they do own a horse, so they must be doing not just a horse, a talking horse, of course. But who's who's the of course who's the audience for this show? They don't have be... a they don't even have a farm, right? Like they just have a horse, like a fucking king. The horse does apparently no labor for them. In fact, the horse is is obviously always operating at a deficit because he's just ordering shit off of uh, the Sears catalog whenever he wants something. Apparently, though, like he's buying, he tries to buy presents at the beginning for all his horse girlfriends or something. He's like, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call and order a bunch of hay for all my horse girlfriends. What's he getting out and meeting people? I can't meet people, but Mr. Ed can meet people? Um, this is pre-Tinder. <laughs> um, I'm also not trying to meet people, just to be very clear. Yeah, I think the, the situation I think, is slightly I think different. If, I can't think of any... I Actually, on the surface, I can't think of anything that's different. But Yeah, I think I think if my, my wife finally listens to an episode, it'll probably be this one. So I wanted to be clear. <laughs> That was a joke. She's gonna be like, oh, what if Mr. Ed was in a good day to die hard? Finally, my husband is doing something that is of interest to me. God. Um, yeah, so Mr. Mr. Ed, uh, does he have any dating advice for us? Yeah. Well, so I think we should pivot to what what he I think we we understand the character. We understand that um his <laughs> I, I clearly understand the character. He's a fucking asshole. He's an asshole. But he talks, and it, Wilbur does not want to make any money on that. Instead, he wants to keep that a secret from all of his loved ones. And that is 
the show. They did 150 episodes, uh, and probably more if Studebaker hadn't went out of business, because there was no such thing as DVR or VCRs. Like they, and and there was lead paint in the house, so you know the whole thing was like, you're not gonna remember this, right? We're just gonna keep doing it. I'm sure they use the same. <laughs> you have you have no way to ever watch it again. Like if if if, if you ever say that we repeat a joke, we'll just call you a liar. Like good fucking luck proving it. Yeah, every night on every night they could have gone on and just named a list of victims and then murdered them, and no one would be able to follow back up on it because they'd just be like, "Mm, "I want to say Mark something." Oh yeah, I mean they recorded over the tape with another horse travesty the next morning. Who's gonna come and follow up on that? They're like, if you ever say we repeated the joke we're gonna cut off one of mr ed's stunt devil's heads put it in your bed (laughs) and that's where mario puzo got the idea for the godfather oh i don't know what you're doing with that horses don't need to shave Hey, this seems out of bounds. <laughs> hey, that hurts. Well, I don't think I'm going to be trotting off to Sunday school anytime soon. <laughs> You're cutting my head off and you don't care at all. <laughs> that was my main head. <laughs> i'm going to horse heaven which is barn handlers hell which apparently is this guy's bed (laughs) for saying we repeat jokes (laughs) that's gonna stay I don't know why I even try to drink during these <laughs> things. What is a horse for other than cracking wise to his old friend Wilbur or being so, headed to send a message? Well, we wanted to be clear here is that we did the work this time. So mm-hmm. I think we understand the Mr. Ed character. We understand what it means to be a Christmas thing. We're ready to take that knowledge and do one of our very popular interpretations into, hey, what'd it be like if he was in Good Day to Die Hard? Peter, you ready to find out what would it be like if Mr. Ed was in a Good Day to Die Hard? I can imagine that so fucking easily that I'm so ready. I was ready five minutes ago. Great. A horse is a horse, of course, of course, and no one can talk to a horse, of course, that is, of course, unless the horse is the famous Mr. Ed. Go right to the source and ask the horse, he'll give you the answer that you'll endorse. He's always on a steady course. Talk to Mr. Ed. Before we get into the plot of A Good Day to Die Hard and then what if Mr. Ed was in that plot more than he he currently is which is zero a lot (laughs) yeah i mean he i mean i thought about him a lot but i mean i think technically you know you don't want the cinema sense to be like hey i listened to this random podcast and to be clear they are hypothesizing mr ed Uh, i don't think so 
I want to note that this is our last episode of 2021 that you will hear. Uh, and I, I just want to comment on, at the onset of the second half of this, this episode that it, this has been our fifth year, literally, this is 100% true, of a pretty significant audience growth each year. And I just want to say that thank you for listening, and we're going to respond with continuing to produce easily accessible content that our fans are looking for like this. And I, I think that's just important to say that, like, we're doing this not because we are having trouble grappling with our minimal success and are trying to push people away, but because you've demanded this. Who hasn't? People write letters to Marvel for, like, what if Mr. Ed was in? Now that you own, or to Disney, now that you own the Die Hard movies, what if Mr. Ed was in? Good day, Die Hard. And I just want to let you know that we're we're not selling out by doing stuff like this. We We just are trying to... Speak to an audience that has only grown bigger. Yeah, just because we know this is going to be fucking huge. And that there's a, there is obviously a market for what if Mr. Ed was beheaded? What if he was in A Good Day to Die Hard? A movie that approximately no one remembers except for when they trot out the John McClane character to do a battery commercial. Yeah, so we know that, like, this is the sellout episode, right? Like, oh, yeah. We do, we've done cult movies. We've done insular stuff occasionally, movies that like people haven't seen, and now they're doing a Christmas special. We got about Mister Ed presents to buy. We got to sell out sometime. I know, I know. So we apologize, but we do appreciate the listenership. Anyways, good day to die hard. We're gonna give you the quick version that does not contain Mister Ed before we. uh, I would say gussy it up and improve it somewhat by imagining um, a, a horse being a, a pretty important part of most of the scenes. What even would the movie be without Mr. Ed? I mean, terrible, Peter. That's why I think it is critical for us to imagine a talking horse um, who I think will move his teeth more than Bruce Willis in this movie. Can you please, when you post this episode, just title it A Good Day Die, die Hard? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I think people expect this. I mean, why, would I, why would I title it anything else, Peter? <laughs> I just really want one or two bad reviews. <laughs> First, they didn't know the name. Of, or the model and make of the car in uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead. Clearly did not do their research. Dad, I don't know what this is. I'm listening to an episode, Good Day of Day Hard, Good Day to Die Hard, my, my fifth favorite Die Hard movie. The first hour is all about Mr. <laughs> <laughs> Who are these jokes for? It seems like they're only doing this to make themselves laugh. <laughs> pay me more and I will only do things to make other people laugh. Yeah, pay us anything. Uh, uh, thank you, everyone. Thank like... you, everyone, for, for who uh, subscribes to our Patreon. You are the reason that this little dream survives. That is uh, my, the review of, like, I wanted to listen to an episode on the Evil Dead. Most of this is <laughs> Jay Leno impressions. Can you, that... can, you, can you sound like you want to cry a little more? 
Okay, no, I, I wanted, wanted to listen to an episode on the Evil Dead, a movie I care a lot about, and most of this was Jay Leto impressions <laughs> that only seems to amuse themselves. <laughs> Were they taking a polling of listeners? Uh, has anyone listened to the show? I, I need to know if you found the Jay Leto content funny. He, it was a three-hour episode. The guy's like, there it is again, Jay Leto, my <laughs> Evil Dead episode. I just want to hear Evil Dead. <laughs> we talked about Evil Dead for like 20 hours that month. What the fuck does he want out of us? Well, he clearly wanted 0% Jay Leno, and that was not where we were at. We're now at 0% Jay Leno because we realized Mr. Ed had a lot more to offer creatively. So I Come hope he in, to this. He's out. <laughs> How funny would it be if this is just, in two years? He's like, all right, well, good day to die hard. Most podcasts don't cover that one. What the fuck is this? Why? What show is this? <laughs> I know, I know. Typically, talking about somewhere Bad a doctor's like, well, yeah, we couldn't save, but the idea of somebody getting really mad that we didn't cover a good day to die hard, and we just talked about Mister Ed the whole time is very funny. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea that, like, later on, like some doctor's like, no, his brain's gone. <laughs> I've never seen it. I've never seen anything like this. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, The Good Day Die Hard. Turns out, fun fact about Jonathan McClane, he uh, hung out with his daughter in, in Live Free or Die Hard, a movie that we enjoy and is functional as a movie. And then they're like, hey, doesn't he have that fucking other kid? And they're like, yeah, he probably grew up to be Jai Courtney. Yeah, John McClane fucked at least twice. John McClane is 80s era. Unless they're twins. Oh, they could be twins. I mean, you don't know. You don't want to know, but you don't know. Yeah. So anyway, so so he's... (laughs) Hold on. I'm I'm actually laughing at the premise of the movie. His daughter's like, hey, you heard about our kid... Going to Russian or, or my brother, your son, <laughs> Our, him and Mary oh, Elizabeth Winstead had a kid. Well, you know, like, I don't. I realized that would be uh, wrong. Yes. <laughs> hey, what if John McClane had a kid with Mister Ed? <laughs> that like. I'm on vacation. My parents divorced and had some very weird fights. Of course, of course. <laughs> kept, my dad kept talking about, Oh, I strapped a gun to my back for you, honey. And I'm like, this, this feels dangerous. <laughs> I strapped a gun to my back and everyone could see it, considering the, the incredible breadth of my horseback. <laughs> they do call it a horseback for a reason. Can you imagine? You know how, like, what a, when people are going through major fights that I would assume end of marriage, end of marriage, as happened to to John McClane, they throw like nice things they've done in in their partner's face. I'm assuming that John McClanes were a little bit like, 
not cool. Uh, yeah. So that's that's kind of something we've been talking about all month. Is that John McClane, over the course of four movies thus far, has gradually over time become. I don't more... like that your voice went back to serious for the first time in fifty-seven minutes. Oh, oh no, we're good. I'll, I'll, I'll get. I'll, don't worry. I'll transition back. So, um, over the course of four movies, John McClane gradually got more paranoid, more scared, more racist, more cruel. In the last movie, he used the phrase, um, dead Asian hooker girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and, and then he gets to this one and he's just like, he's just like, Russians are basically insects. I don't, I don't care about Russian lives. Um, can you imagine, can you goddamn imagine what it would take for Holly Gennaro to sort through, like, obviously she gets full custody. Like, obviously. Obviously. Well, obviously. yeah, I mean, Die Hard with a Vengeance, it's not like his kids are at home. He's out drinking all night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but the, the thing I get about this movie is that, like, maybe John McClane, like, stopped drinking, but he still just fueled on hate. Like, yeah, he still be- he became uh, more boring. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, he's like, like I had stories. I found some, I found some inner peace that that, that brought me something. Uh, have you ever heard of Mel Gibson's podcast? <laughs> yeah, he's like, I found this group of guys pretty good down the VFW. We all hate Mexicans, <laughs> so you know, I go there. We hate. Let off some steam for the week ahead. <laughs> a good day to make America great again. Oh, I think I think actually real life Bruce Willis thinks that. <laughs> anyway, um yeah, so he doesn't know that his son joined the CIA. Um instead, he's like, "Oh, my son's going to a Russian prison. Honey, drive me to the airport. I better go rescue him." So, uh but of course, Jack, <laughs> I mean that's basically I mean, on is that Wilbur? <laughs> Sorry, I mean, is that's that is that Mr. Ed? Oh, no, that's kind of the tone. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the tone where he's like, uh, my kid got himself in a little bit of trouble. Uh, all right. Well, I'm going to go try to break him out of a Russian prison. See you later, hon. Famously the chillest of prisons. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so he gets there. He's already broken himself out of prison for this guy. I actually don't really care that much about the details, but he like sees his dad and the whole thing is like uh, he has not made peace with his son the way that he has with his daughter uh by saving her life and so he's like keeps calling him mclean and john what are you doing here john he's like i don't know to rescue you man like you seem totally unchill and then there's a car chase that like no one participates in all that much and then they become friends and then it's like a it's just a constant like video game level they go to chernobyl at some point like it, this is this is clearly like it's so this is, it, this is basically is. like call of duty fan fiction like they go to russia and everybody in russia is either a friendly russian stereotype or a, a murderous violent psychopath like no one in this movie is just like a yeah, man, like I, I go to work, I go home, I don't um, run over multiple pedestrians with a fucking yeah. military six-wheel APC. I'm going to be mildly serious for one second. And I will just say, like, from the jump, 
this this movie is made by people that like don't matter, right? It's the writer of the Wolverine Origins and a director only known for like two bad movies and stuff like that. And um it just from the jump fundamentally misunderstands Die Hard. The one thing that was actually been extraordinarily consistent that we've talked about this month was that like the Die Hard movies, even when they're getting bigger and less connected to the original, fundamentally understand two important things about Die Hard. One, it's about a person who does not want to have to do the job of saving the world. He's just the only person there to do it. And the idea that he's actually like forced and locked into a situation. So in the first two movies, that's in a very, you know, airport building. And then later on, like city or stuff like that. And then the, essentially the next two movies. But either way, he just does not want to do this. So the idea first of like making it about a rescue mission is just fundamentally misunderstanding. The idea that it's like, let's let's go. He is constantly inserting himself and in trying to save the world. And, like, we need to do this in a way that, like, misunderstands the character. And the entire movie is, like, has not, like, it has, like, like, I texted you, Peter. Man, love. Such a great diehard movie. CIA. Russians. Like, it's, it's like, it's like a Taken. And it's like if Taken and the Bourne Identity merged to a straight-to-video script... And then someone's like, oh, we could add John McClane to the Jai Courtney story and make a diehard movie. Like, I like, I legit, I hate saying this about any movie, but like, I legitimately hated this because I would be fine with a bad diehard movie, but it's not even a bad diehard movie. It's just a shitty action movie that they said, oh, this guy's name is John McClane and he has a son. Yeah, which is weird because this is, this is the most, this is the most uh, vague, abstract, diehard movie, despite the fact that this was, like, basically the first one that was written. Uh, That's the thing. is like, that yeah. was written to be a diehard movie. Yeah, this, this, it, it, that is insane. And I mess, we were messaging about it because we were weirdly watching it at the exact same time on accident. Like, literally, we hit play on it two minutes apart. Um, and that sort of kind of live texted during it. We've talked about this, that, like, no diehard movie wanted to be a diehard movie, which is also very, like, metatextually funny as it relates to what the yeah, character is. Yeah, he's on vacation. Yeah, and then this one, they're like, we need to write a diehard movie. But again, not to be, like, now a couple months past its, its currency date, but it's kind of what I'm hearing about, like, the Cowboy Bebop live remake. Like, you want to make a live remake of a beloved anime, great, do it. Hire someone with some sort of directorial vision or a writer who has a story to tell in a universe that is like extraordinarily interesting and compelling you don't just hire two people that are known for shit and expect it to be good because you got the casting in the trailer right and like you know the writer of this movie wrote fucking like he's only written four movies and it's wolverine origins and the a-team and the director has done like specifically only bad <laughs> I just sometimes I know it's like, oh, white guys in Hollywoods with connections. But like there's a whole thing on the guy who directed it, his name is uh, John Moore. There's a whole thing on his IMDb because his movies are so are on Wikipedia about how the critical evaluation of his films is so poor, except for Armin White, who thinks his all of his movies are masterpieces. This is the guy that directed the Omen remake, Max Payne. And Flight of the Phoenix with Dennis Quaid. It's like there's these there's this weird Hollywood thing that like gets these like just people that have only made bad movies and they're always white men 
chances to just keep making terrible movies. The other odd thing, and the last serious thing I will try to say this entire podcast, because this movie did infuriate me, is that we've talked a lot on this show, and I actually just find it just like historically interesting, that there was a there was a time in Hollywood that basically extended from its inception, and yes, its inception, because this happened in the 30s and the 20s too, to like 2008-2010 era where the majority of like IP intellectual properties were seen as like cash cows to hit while the iron was hot. You don't need to protect the characters, you don't need to protect anything. If something is popular, make a sequel, make it as quickly as possible because no one's going to care if it's good or not, they're going to go see it for this. And that has led to a lot of like I think franchises that I think would be interesting or potential sequels that were known for just being shitty and people are going for namesake only. And what's so weird and interesting about uh, about these movies is that like they like they kept that character integrity or movie integrity or whatever you want to call it for four movies in the era of just give them a sequel who gives a shit if it's good and then post that era when they should be working more to protect it they made the most disposable garbage sequel that I could like I could even imagine like I gave this movie a half star the movie's terrible yeah yeah but the thing about it is like generally what I what my thought is is like yeah a bad movie that swings out and tries something crazy which is affirmatively not is better than a uh vague generic movie that has absolutely no character and just sort of like you know ticks the boxes this is a movie that i feel like kind of ticks the boxes like you move to a scene you move to another scene like there it doesn't have like the room level incompetence like generally what i I, that's generally how i feel is that like if it's bad but it's like trying something crazy i give it like more credit this is one of those movies that's like built for the structure where you're like, sure, certain scenes perform the function of an action movie. It's the sort of thing you could watch on a plane or on like a, a Sunday morning if you're tired or Ethan watched apparently when he was he had some sort of stomach bug and was just like, whatever, just let images roll over me. There's no, there's nothing to grab onto. And I, I actually, I actually feel like movie, uh, movie podcasts are generally pretty bad at explaining why action movies are bad. Um, I'm not going to spend an entire like diatribe on this movie because it's not fucking worth it. But, um, the reason that action movies are, 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 are dynamic and they bring you a sense of excitement is because they um, have a sense of movement and they use the camera and the, the film as a medium to make you feel like you are moving through the motions. Either you're, see, you're witnessing something incredible or it's almost like you're the hero in it. Like almost like a weird metatextual video game. And like the best action movies do some version of one of those two things. They make you feel a sense of momentum, a, a, a sense of excitement. And in this movie, John McClane... He throws out um, uh, homophobic quips, basically, to his son that he's a pussy for uh, trying to connect with him. Uh, He literally calls him a pussy. Um, That's why I'm using that term. Um, He uh, keeps saying he's on vacation, which is obviously like a repeat. They're trying to like tap into some magic of the previous movies. They somehow have the restraint to not say yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker, but one of the Russians references that line. He's like, all you Americans think you're cowboys. 
Uh, so he does say yippee ki motherfucker. When does he say movie. it? That's why I quoted that line to you. I texted you. I thought he skips it in this one, but in the last one no. he says it with the gunshot. No, he d- that you're you're right, but he does say it at the end where he it was so bad. He goes, um, hold on, we text too much. Um, we don't. Uh, I'm just trying yeah. Do to find do a search to your text for yip. No, because I didn't say because there's a line right before it that I quoted to you, like where I was like, oh my god. Oh, he goes. It's at the very end. He gets that uh, right after they escape that compound and the helicopter. He goes. He's putting on a seatbelt and he goes. The shit we do for our kids. Yippee kaye, motherfucker. Oh God! I think at that point, um, my blood was coming out of my nose and my brainstem was starting to yeah. dissolve into ash. Um, it is. A, it is a. La- it is legitimately a lazy shrug where he says, "The shit we do for our kids." <laughs> Yippee kaye, motherfucker. It's terrible. I don't blame you for not even noticing it, but I was like, uh, that's why I sent you just the shit we do for our kids, like, with an exclamation mark, because I'm like, oh my god, like, that's the setup to the yippee ki motherfucker <laughs> in this movie? I literally pounded the chair. I'm fucking, like, Khrushchev at the UN. <laughs> <laughs> this is an injustice. Yeah. We will destroy you. Bruce Willis <laughs> doing a lazy yippee kaye motherfucker. <laughs> but that's the thing, like, who, yeah, just like, the idea that everyone looked at this and said, yeah, this is what we wanted. Um, it's just but insane yeah, but, but But yeah, we, I think that people just say, like, action scenes are bad. The scene and scenes are not incompetent in the sense that, like, I know exactly what's happening in every scene. Like, they at least meet that base level of competence. Um the problem is you feel no sense of momentum, no excitement, no danger. Uh, John McClane is a static object. He stands in place and shoots a big gun. He's never in danger. He never, like in the last movie, I was actually pretty surprised. Like Len Wiseman was like, I want John McClane to like bang into doorways, get yeah. thrown down hallways, like stuff that they like generally they forget about needs to happen in these movies because you need to put him in danger. Like I want to get, I want John McClane to get banged up and I want him to just barely dodge a fucking blade, like feel some sense of excitement. Um, in this John McClane has a big gun and then he shoots a bunch and then the scene progresses slightly. And then John McClane moves to a new part of the room where he shoots at a bunch of other people. And it the, the the general like sense of laziness f- translates also into like there's almost no choreography here and i'm not asking every movie to be like the raid movies or the night comes for us like uh by timo i'm just um, i'm yeah i'm just asking Team you to timo. be live yeah live free be be live free or die hard and this is this movie is the classic example of why and this movie came out the year that i graduated college and I got a, I moved back home. I got a job in the suburbs uh, with my degree, and I was uh, watching. You're like, yes, sir, Mister Ed Carekeeper. <laughs> I watched so many action movies in this period, and I got really into DTV movies, '80s action movies, uh, trash movies, like. I the, the, it was when I truly like the, the the one of the one of the secondary origins of this podcast was me being like I need to expand my palette out to um, more than just like 
uh, here are the Oscar movies for the year. Plus, you know, every few months I'll watch an action movie. Like th- this was a time in my life where I was like, I'm going to watch a lot of, of these movies. And well, hold the on, DTV, while you were, while the you were hold, on, movies, hold on, hold on, what? While you were watching them, were you like, so take the photographs and still frames in mine? This is is this a, a Green Day reference? Well, I, I just like it sounds like you were having the time. A, a green a Green Day to die hard. <laughs> It just seems like you were having the time of your life, so I was just hoping that you commemorated it. Oh, it was actually a fairly uh, depressing time, but the movies were good. Um, but the the DTV so movies I watched at this time, I remember being like, wait a minute. Okay, some of the exposition scenes are kind of clunky and shitty. Some movies just remove exposition scenes because they're just like, eh, we're not going to be able to do a good jo- job with that anyways. Let's move the fuck on. Um, the in, If in these, like... $80,000 movies, they can perform a scene with true dramaticism and have these like incredible physical martial artist actors pull off shootouts that like are unimaginable. Like you have to rewind the scene just to figure out how they did a move. And you know, it's not CGI, you know, it's some combination of pure physicality plus wire work. You're like, oh my God, like they could do this. And then the John Wick movies popped up a few years later. And I was like, Ah, okay, okay. The John Wick movies, they are trying to bring some of that DTV touch to the mainstream. Um, Chad Stilensky and the rest of these guys, like, they all come from sort of the DTV background. Like, they know how, they know how this stuff works. Like, it is incredible how many action movies we let get away with just utter toilet garbage poo-poo yeah <laughs> from like 1995 to like wh- when did the first john wick movie come out um i think it was like 2014 so it was like 2016 17 because like for like basically 20 plus years action movies were completely fucking garbage in mainstream hollywood because they are you, had are no you sense like of accepting physicality. like the the matrix yeah, the Matrix. The Matrix is great, but the Matrix is is you know like the, the did not inspire a lot of great American movies right after that, right? So yeah, for, yeah, because they all just use the effect. I actually think like that's an area where I, part of the reason I have probably as much affection for Live Free or Die uh, Live Free or Die Hard or um, uh, Terminator Three is because they did do the like let's show people fucking smashing into concrete right like it 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 they bodies were both... against bodies like fucking objects in motion i want to see just fucking physics in yeah, on film they were both like pushing back uh against like the over cgization of of action movies like that was like a big part of like their their promotional material and the director's vision and stuff like that and i think like they're neither of them are great movies, but I I think both of them endear a lot of infection because of how different they were. To your point, than most of the other action movies we were watching at the time, and that is why um you know not to like bookend some of like why we started this month and where we went to like I do think that's why I circled back on Die Hard with a Vengeance so hard because like Die Hard with a Vengeance when I saw it in the late 90s and early 2000s it didn't seem like you know uh, something that was out of time or like a last gasp of an action movie we didn't get to see anymore i was still in the process of catching up with 80s and 90s action movies so um you know 
in comparison watching it now, not only do I recognize what a great movie it is, but I also just see like, oh my god, like McTiernan was doing things that like I would fucking, you know, give my left nut for whatever the expression you want to use is for now because like they just don't make movies that feel this real and big at the same time anymore. Yeah, yeah, and um, I I agree with you. Like we, there was a period in the '90s where we had movies like Speed and The Matrix, um, yeah, that largely involved Keanu Reeves and Point Break, um, where the sense of physicality was matched with a sense of epicness, and like there are very few action movies I have fondness from in, in from two thousand from uh, mainstream action movies that I have fondness from in the early two thousands, and it made me think I didn't like action movies anymore. It made me. It made me not think I like I, I liked action movies anymore because of movies like A Good Day to Die Hard. And what's amazing is if you told me that this movie was directed by Len Weissman, who directed uh, Live Free or Die Hard, I'd be like, yeah, that checks out. His movies are are, are, are fucking so generic and have no sense of character, no sense of mo- momentum. That uh, it's not objects connecting in space and time. Like there's no. There's no physics to what's going on here. A Good Day to Die Hard is, is would fit that bill. It's undeniably lazy in every single point. And uh, the fact that Mary Elizabeth Winstead came back as like an uncredited cameo just really is sad to think that like because Scott Pilgrim bombed, her career didn't take off for like five years after that. And like now she's like, you know, a, a huge actor um but like it wasn't until it wasn't until like the 2015 or so it was like the cloverfield era plus uh fargo and like when she finally was able to take off and like the she showing up in this alongside jay courtney one of the most loathed actors i think it's hold on i think it's jay (laughs) jay which is worse but yeah i think it's jay I just assumed it was like a Ryan Johnson thing. I mean, I could be wrong, but I think it's Jai Courtney. And he's white, so you know it's just like a. Yeah. It's like you want to you want to say bye bye Courtney, but it runs uh, with that. Uh, uh, bye bye Courtney. <laughs> bye bye. He was pretty good actually in the new Suicide Squad movie. Which one? The, the, I liked was, him dying uh, the in the Suicide Squad. Yeah, he was great in that movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he is. I mean, I think you're right, Peter. We were messaging about this, but like he I think people going he's the worst fucking actor of all time probably comes from seeing this movie because he is. the he's, He is terrible. And, and again, it's not like anyone's giving him any um, any help. Like in that, like the screen, like the screenwriter thought it'd be hilarious if he kept calling his to just show that there's separation in a relationship. Like John McClane. Like I get that he's not being serviced, but like even under those conditions, which P.S. Everyone in this cast has to deal with, he like is so. It's like if I was in a movie. Like I know that sounds stupid. But, like, when you and I do scripted stuff, like, I'm not good at scripted stuff. I was in plays in high school, and I'm not, like, good at, like, delivering loud jokes or loud, like, lines. Like, I I have a little bit of the Jerry Seinfeld thing where, like, I can't make yelling sound serious because I don't, like, yell all that often. I think, like, you know, there's that funny episode of Seinfeld 
where like he tries to be angry and that's like the whole joke about I can't get mad you know and I do feel like there's there's that going on in this movie where anytime he's like McClane it's like oh that's what I would sound like or yeah, like Jerry I, Seinfeld yeah because like the line between um the line between cool and uh the and lazy is incredibly thin and a, and a great actor knows how to impart just the right amount of humanity behind it to to nail that and the reason we call the reason we call Bruce Willis lazy is because we know Bruce Willis can give it like no, we, I mean we, not anymore not not apparently not after this movie yeah we know that Bruce Willis is capable of it he just doesn't fucking care um Jay Courtney is someone who like I really liked him in the first Jack Reacher as like a villain, but he's like the secondary, right? He's just like a guy who has a few, he has a few good, a few good moments and, and, and like a few good line readings and he's threatening and like, you know, that's where he deserved to be. And then for years I was like, why do people hate this random ass guy? And then both of us watched this for the first time and we were like, oh, oh, that's why. Now I get it. Cause he... He was supposed to be the heir apparent to John McClane, and then they both gave differing versions of a terrible performance. Yeah, it's uh, so I I don't want to talk about that anymore. I want to talk about what if Mister Ed? Ed was in? Yeah, what if Mister Ed was in this movie? So what if Mister Ed was in this movie? So Mister Ed, I feel like is. Uh, Do you think I'm, he I'm, would I'm, die immediately? Because like, I, like I'm I'm not trying to be sh- like body shame Mister Ed. But I think in a shootout situation, he makes for quite the meaty target. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, yeah, he's meaty. But, like, the, the deal is that, like, John McClane himself is sort of like a horse with a broken leg. He doesn't move very much and just sort of stands there. Um, so if you gave Mr. Ed the ability to use a firearm... Um, I think his chances of survival against these utter incompetence would probably be about even. Yeah, so maybe like the opening scene, <laughs> he's like, hello, John, I'm also here to help. Oh, no! <laughs> There's so many bullets! I I have hooves! I can't hold a gun to return fire! Oh! And everyone's like, did Mr. Hatch just fucking die? <laughs> Why does my son keep calling me a pussy? I came to see him. I'm sorry I was a deadbeat horse. You wrote me out quicker than Cole Hauser, and I'm a better actor than (laughs) Jai Courtney. Why are we resuscitating Cold War vibes? I was born in 2000. The, The Russians? In a Die Hard movie? Oh no, the bullets! <laughs> yeah, I saw War Horse. I feel like it would be something like the bad parts of War Horse. You saw War Horse? That is literally the only Steven Spielberg movie I've never seen. I've never so, seen War Horse. I was lying. God, no. Has anyone seen War Horse? We've all said at different times that we've seen War Horse, but no one's really seen it. Who wants to watch be, a bunch of horses get murdered? What would it be like if Mr. Ed was in War Horse? <laughs> <laughs> Wilbur, take me home. <laughs> I think that mustard gas should be banned by the Geneva Convention. 
<laughs> I got horse lungs and it's still giving me quite the sniffles. <laughs> so what's some other scenes that would be weird if Mr. Ed showed up in? They said they said it was a Gatling gun, and I thought they said a Gelding gun. I was riddled with bullets. Oh, our last confrontations in Chernobyl. Can you put those eye protectors they have for horses over my eyes? At least this is a this is a literal Chernobyl. I love in this movie when at one point someone just like sees like a, their iPad is just like yeah, dude, take your mask off, no, no big deal. Yeah, they they literally like oh, oh yeah, wait, dude, whoa, 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 whoa. What if people forget that Bruce Wells is in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 fine. Um, your uh, your app uh, said that you can take your your thing off. This is a Russian app too. Do you think it has like uh, microtransactions? Uh, it's fine. Even Mister Ed has a gas mask. This isn't a gas mask. It's my feedback. <laughs> Please, someone protect my bones from the radiation. I I had to duck and cover. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard about beating a dead horse but i've never heard of a dead be dadding a horse this is terrible <laughs> i do not enjoy this film as someone who may or may not have died from a tranquilizer dart Sometime in 1971, or may or may not have lived until 1979, I find this a travesty. <laughs> John? John Moore? Can you come over here? Mr. Director, sir. It says here in the script, I'm on fucking vacation. What is a vacation? Oh. I've never had one of those. You're, oh, you're saying people. People sometimes get time off of work. Oh, well, I assume they still have to graze. Oh, you're you're telling me that it, it's not straight from the Mister Ed set directly to the mill to make flour. I don't know if I can read this line. I don't understand the concept of vacation. So, so let me get this straight. He's joking because obviously. From what you described, this is not a vacation. <laughs> but you, you just can go to a different city, have no one sit on your back? <laughs> Usually when I hear the, the word vacation, it means that an incredibly nervous 200 to 300 pound man is going to sit on my back and pretend to be a cowboy for about three hours. You're saying zero people. <laughs> Pretend to be a cowboy on your back. <laughs> Zero. That's what, that, that's what you're telling me, huh? How is our Mr. Ed impression getting worse after we've seen an episode of Mr. Ed? <laughs> Doesn't make any fucking sense. Because now I'm imagining Mr. Ed being sad and my accent is getting more human. Uh, uh, Russian speak, Russian speak. I can't understand you. I'm a horse. <laughs> John McClane's like, right there with you, buddy. Speak American if you're going to be in America or talk to an American ever. I'm not with that guy. He's, he's kind of fucked up. Look, I understand the politics of Russia is very confusing right now, but I don't think that everyday people should be blamed for the alphabet they were taught. <laughs> 
and I know two letters, N and A. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you think that Mr. Ed, given the chance, would have solved the Cold War? I mean, he had the chance, and he didn't do it. <clears throat> I think that the fact that was, this, he was this episode took place in 1963 and he did yeah. absolutely nothing about the Cuban Missile Crisis indicates to me that Mr. Ed wanted that. Yeah, you know why? Escalate. Literally, there's a part in this episode where he says, hey, Wilbur, if you buy me all these presents, I will stop lying to you. And Wilbur's like, gives him a look like, will you horse? And Mr. Ed goes, okay, well, maybe not. And so, like, I'm just saying, like, someone who lied that much could have at least told people he solved the Cuban Missile Crisis. That was on the table for him. Yeah. How many sitcoms do you think of the era brought up the Cuban Missile Crisis? Um... Probably uh, the hit comedy based on the situation. Um, I love Lucy. They had a they had an episode called it's called a Cuban Missive Crisis, where Ricky sent an angry letter to Lucy. Oh, Lucy! Yeah, I'm gonna do a perfect impression of Ricky Ricardo. You ready? Yeah. Pitch perfect. Lucy. You twit. You absolute barnacle brain. I hate you, yet I will play in your jazz band. She has a jazz band? Babalu. Mm. Um, I, th- I think it's his jazz band. You, well, can, edit, it, you it, can edit a lot of, out a lot of what I'm saying. It I would have to be. I, I mean, theoretically, we could edit out the whole episode, so I don't want to start saying what we should edit or not edit. All <laughs> well, I'm saying. Relevant or not relevant. All I'm saying is I'm going to take a lot of a lot of big swings, a lot of big misses, and if those are one to one, it's really impossible for me to say. Yeah, so I think that that wraps it up. I I don't have anything else to say. Um, let me just check my notes real quick. Um, no. Uh, what if Mister Ed was a? Oh yeah, I have that. Um, so let's think about this. What if Mr. Ed spent Christmas with you and your family? I think what he'd say is, first, thanks for listening to the entirety of the, this episode on the stairs with the rest of your family while they waited to open Christmas presents. I think that was important. That was artistic intent. And if you listen to this in a car on the radio, you did not listen to it in the vision that we had planned. I'm not saying you did anything wrong, because but I am saying you consumed art incorrectly. Um, yeah, I would say I would say that if you listen to this in any other context than what we described earlier, which I remember, um, you are going to be sued. You're going to be served. You're never going to know when you're going to be served. Um, but when. Well, you're going to know when you're being served. You're not going to you, know the You time. literally, that is, that is the definition of being served. You yeah, have you need to, to be aware of it. You have not been served. Yeah. yeah, usually what happens Legally. is like, oh my God, Jim podcast listener? And you're like, me? Yeah, of course I'm Jim podcast listener. You've been served. <laughs>
Um, yeah, and if you're listening to this 50 years in the future, this is the episode that is the reason they passed all those laws about uh, if you're going to say you're covering a movie on <laughs> your podcast called A Good Day to Die Hard, um, it has to have uh, no more than 50% Mr. Ed content. Uh, we were about 80-90% Mr. Ed content with a little bit of Good Day to Die Hard. I think... Legally, right now, we are fine, Peter. But I do think that based on the laws that I imagine this episode will inspire, this may be, this is kind of like probably like the Paul's Boutique. <laughs> We're like, at the time, having that many samples was easy to get. But after that, you're not going to have many episodes of movie podcasts that don't talk about the movie and instead talk about Mr. X. Yeah, I would say it's a fairly limited genre. There's not a lot of places to go with it. Just to the not bar. anymore. Yeah, I'm Did saying they all the, go to the bar. Yeah, now it was fine. The laws that will be passed in response to this episode. Hey, hey, Aaron, when does this episode clop? Oh, this uh, this episode's gonna hit hay dirt um, and <laughs> Christmas probably. I don't know. <laughs> hay dirt. <laughs> that's also that is both a great pun and also how uh, if i ever met fictional character joe dirt in real life how i would say hello to him uh first mr dirt just hey dirt what do you think let's let's really quick to wrap the episode up do you think ed is his first name or last name because, I mean, based on Mr., I would assume it's his last name. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, but, like, if you want someone to be, like, hip and relatable, mm. but you still need to, like, demand respect, it's, like, Mr. plus the first name, like, a music teacher that, like, sits backwards in the chair and, like, you know, um, he makes he makes a lot of weird comments about uh, his dating life in the middle of class. But, you know, he's cool. It's, you know, he, he's, he's Mr. Chris. Do you think um, what if what if the ED is actually like because most horses just have one name? Maybe the ED is a suffix at the end of his full name, like his name is Horsecocked, <laughs> <laughs> Mister Ed for short. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's a lot to bring up with somebody. Things can get pretty rough at that. Point. Yeah, we'll save it. We'll save it for our New Year's special, I guess. I, I, lot to cover. I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to throw you for a loop with potential Mister Ed names. I think it's a rich vein, and we should. I agree. We should devote the time to it. So, I think the only thing that we can is left to say is, um, Merry Christmas. If uh, if you don't celebrate Christmas or you don't enjoy the Christmas season, I think. This is a good episode for you, probably. <laughs> I don't think a whole lot of Christmas spirit is going to be exchanged. And also, uh, $15 in 1963 translates to $135 in today's books, just in case you need that. Um, you can also use an inflation calculator online. It's probably easier than listening back to an old episode of a podcast. and then Yeah, it's, it's, less of... that it, it's less that it equals that amount, but it equals that buying power, which is an important distinction. Good night. Good night. Of adios. We hope you enjoyed the horse. Here comes Santa Horse, here comes Santa Horse, right down Santa Horse Lane. 
Elvish horses called Icelandics like to lead the way. His arriving stalls are cleaned and all is merry and bright. So hang your halters and nay your prayers, cause Santa Horse comes to die. Here comes Santa Horse, here comes Santa Horse, right down Santa Horse Lane. He's got hay nets filled with tack and lots and lots of grain. Hear those hoofbeats clipping, clocking, oh what a beautiful sight. So drive to your stall and close your eyes, cause Santa Horse comes tonight. Here comes Santa Hey guys, um, it's Ethan. Um, I'm calling you, I think it's the day after we were supposed to record. Um, I think, I'm not totally sure, which is kind of part of the problem why I'm calling, cause like, I... I watched the Mr. Ed Christmas episode like we talked about, and I thought it was really terrific, and I had a lot of fun with it, and then I put on A Good Day to Die Hard, um, and I don't know what happened, but I woke up uh, some some time later, um, some miles from my house. It's a little fuzzy. Um, I can tell you I had a, a piece of paper uh, with me and, and it was written on in my handwriting, which is, um, which is unnerving. And so I'm going to read you what it said. Uh, cause I think it has to do with the show. And, and maybe I, and maybe I was on the episode and I read this. I don't think I did, but you can cross check me. So, so the paper says again in my handwriting, but, but almost like I wrote it left handed. I don't know. Um, we must agree, gentlemen, that as Mr. Ed represents the resurgent post-war spirit, and then this is in parentheses, comically integrated memories of wartime service, comma, horse represents legacy of World War I, comma, Christmas equals naughty, naughty. I don't know what that means. Um, then this is a bookend. This is bookend A, Mr. Ed's Christmas story. As much as Rebel Without a Cause represents the tensions inherent to the prosperous dream of the 50s with an ending just as tragic I mean, I don't stand by that. I don't, I don't think this episode was as tragic as Rebel Without a Cause, but I guess I did um, last night. Uh, so it goes on. By the time the spiderweb has been strung, strung, stringing, strung on through the years and the seas of time lost and unrecoverable, we arrive at the masterpiece, masterpiece, master, master, masterpiece. That is how it's written. Um, that is a good day to die hard. The ultimate externalization of the three... Uh, it says 3017 mindset. I probably mean 2017. I don't know when this movie came out. Um, I don't know a lot about what's, what happened. Uh, so, uh, the, the Bush era satire summa cum laude. That's not how that phrase works. Borderline Southland Tales in its commitment to bad taste, the exploration of America's suppression of its own sins and sparkling dialogue. Like, is this a pirate gun? Let's go kill some mother. I mean, I'm here with my kids, um, so I'm not going to use the, the actual line. Um, did I call it sparkling dialogue? It's not. It's really not a good movie, I think. I, like, this whole, it's been a weird few days. Uh, so it, it, the paper finishes, in short, we must agree, distinguished panel, and I hope you will be lenient. And then underneath that, um, there's, like, some kind of dark, sticky ink, and it just says No. So that makes me very nervous. Um, so give me a call back. Let me know if I was on the episode. Um, or I guess I'll listen to it when it comes out. And we, we, you know, just 
call me back. It would be it would be good to hear uh, some some voices that I recognize.